Amen. Good morning, church. Morning to those of you watching, those of you present, to those of you listening. Uh, welcome to another episode of Mission Possible. It's a series on life stewardship. For those of you maybe who are new here today, new watching or listening for the first time, I trust you will be blessed. This is a series you're doing because, you see, Christian life, when you look at what Jesus and God expects out of us as believers, you know, follow the great commandment, follow the great commission, follow Jesus, do what He wants us to do, become part of His mission. When you listen to that, you say, wow, there is no way I can do that. It sounds like mission impossible. But you see, we are not alone because when God called us, He equipped us. He gave us abilities. He gave us talents. But not only that, He didn't leave us alone. He left us His Word and He gave us the Holy Spirit. So all of a sudden, mission impossible becomes mission possible. And that is what you are studying. It's really a series on stewardship because if you're living on a mission, anyone who embarks on a mission... All right? Be it whatever kind of mission it is, to do a project, be it a mission as a spy, okay? Or as a thriller, as an adventure to climb a mountain, whatever it is, whatever mission you embark on, you have to be a steward of everything that you've got. You've got to prepare yourself for the mission, during the mission, until the end of the mission. And for us as Christians, we have been called, and we, we know this, that we have been called from the beginning of time. God created mankind to be stewards of what God created. And that's why we are placed over here. And from Genesis to Revelation, we find this theme. And at the end, God will require of us an account of how good we have been. What have we done with the goods He has given us? We, we've realized through the study that Nothing is really ours, is there? Is there really? You know, you think you've got a house, you think you've got a car, you think you've got money, but just like that, it can all be taken away from you. You don't really own anything. Your own life is not yours because it can be taken away just like that. And so really, we are in this planet to manage what is not ours, what is God's. And in his word, he gives us instruction. We've sang today, your goodness is running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. <laughs> it's easy to sing about it with the melody and the rhythm and everybody. But have you stopped to think about it? I give you everything. And often I would say, God, I give you everything. And the Lord says, I want that. And, I, and you say, no, not that, Lord. I give you everything, but not that, please. I like that so much, Lord. <laughs> and there was a time in my life where I said, Lord, come into my life and take out everything except that one room. I want my privacy. That is my room, you know, Lord? A couple of things there, you know? But you see, either Jesus is Lord over all, or he's not Lord at all. Because the word Lord implies owner of everything. And Jesus is Lord, amen? And so we are going to continue today in our study. But before we do, uh, let us take time again to pray for our nation. Amen. Last week we prayed. We prayed about that whole 
you know, nurses strike and so on. Thank God, things seem to be getting back to normal, and uh, they are minimizing the, the harms. Of course, some people did lose their lives and so on, but at least by going back to work, they will hinder further deaths and so on. Um, I mistakenly said last week that the um, national strike would be last week. It's not this week. It's tomorrow. And so, guys, let's not be under fear, okay? But let us pray. Let us pray that every evil, every harm, every hidden plan of Satan for destruction and for harming lives will be hindered. Amen? The guys will demonstrate, fine, but let, let there not be destruction and violence and lost lives. Can you agree with me in prayer quickly? Just bow your heads, please. Father, we come to you again in prayer, Lord God. And we lift this nation before you, Lord God. And Lord, so many people are, are afraid of what's going to happen this week, but we know, Lord God, that we can trust in you, Lord. And so we pray that you will mobilize your angels, Lord God, and cause hindrances to bad things, Lord God. Let there be a hindrance to violent, violence and, and lootings and destruction, Father God. May hidden plans and agendas and evil acts be exposed in time, Lord God. I pray you'll forgive the sins of the people, Father God. Change hearts. Those hearts that are filled with hatred and pride, Lord, I pray there will be a change of hearts, Lord God. Let there be peace and unity restored as we submit our hearts, our will, and our nation to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. We declare the Lord Jesus Lord over our nation, Lord. Only you can change hearts, Lord. Only you can change the course of nations, and so we ask for divine intervention, Lord. We ask for peace. We ask for protection in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let there be no fear. Of course, do exercise caution, but let there be no fear. Praise God. Hallelujah. And you see, these things are happening in our nation and in nations around the world. I mean, you look at the news, you see, you know, places you'd not expect to see the kind of thing that's going on, the violence and the riots and the collapses. And why is it? Because people are not being good stewards. Human beings, I'm not talking about us Christians. As humans, we are not being good stewards of what God has given us. You see, pride and, and greed and, and selfishness and self-centeredness have crept into people's hearts. And the result is all the nonsense that we see. Unfortunately, we find this even amongst many believers. Many of us as followers of God, we get so taken up with the things of the world, with the trends of the world, with the pressures of the world, with the fashions of the world, with the way of thinking of the world, we get caught up in worldly thoughts. We view the world according to the world and not according to the Word of God. And so it is my aim through this series, Mission Possible, to show that following Christ can be a great adventure, an exciting adventure. But it requires us to align our lives to His Word and to His will. It require, requires of us to be stewards of everything in our lives. Often when we say stewardship, Christians think, oh, he's going to, be, he's going to talk about money. And it does include money, but we spoke about that last month. But I made it clear to you that stewardship is about life, everything in your life. And so that is what we are talking about it now. And last week, as we, we came to the end of the message, I mentioned that we need to redeem time. 
We need to redeem time. As you go into a mission field, which for most of us, and you don't understand this, for all of us as Christians, we often think that our mission is out there somewhere. It's out in future somewhere. And God may have a plan for you in future. God may have a plan for you somewhere else. But right now, today, right where you are, right where you're listening to this message, where you're watching online, where we are sitting at, right now, where you are, is your place of mission. The time is now. The place is where you are. And that's why I have to be alert to the matter of stewardship because the people around you, the resources you've got, and the time that you have is yours to be used now. And so, as I ended talking about redeemed time, I want to pick up on that today and talk a little bit more about time. And to do this, we are going to read a psalm. A psalm written by a man who was given a near impossible mission. His name was Moses. And his mission was to move a million complaining Jews from Egypt to the promised land. How many of you want that job? Not even he wanted that job. He came up with a whole bunch of excuses. But the Lord shut every excuse down because the Lord had equipped him, you see. He didn't think he was equipped, but he was. <laughs> and the Lord sent him on this mission. And so he, he wrote a psalm. It is the, probably one of the oldest psalms in the book of Psalms because most of the psalms are written by David who came you know, centuries after him. But this psalm, was written by Moses. And the background of the psalm is Israel wandering for 40 years in the desert. You remember the story? They went from Egypt all the way to the border of the promised land. They sent some spies in. For 40 days, the spies were in the land, and they came back saying, wonders. Like, man, the grapes are this big, you know, and, and everything is so wonderful. And it's... And everybody got excited. And then some guy said, yeah, but there are giants in the land. Those giants are big. Those giants are going to squash us because we look like grasshoppers in front of those giants. And everybody went, oh. This was God's promised land. Don't you think that God knew that there were giants there? But everybody started moaning, groaning. And complaining, Ach, man, there are giants over there. We can't go there. There's no way we're going to go there. And God got so angry at those guys. He says, you know what? Because of that, all of those of you, 20 years and older, that complained, I'm going to send you back to the desert. You were there for 40 days. I'm going to send you back to the desert for 40 years. And everyone, 20 years and older, who complained, is going to die in the desert. They are not going to the promised land. Their children will go to the promised land. Now Moses has to carry this, this group of people back to the desert for 40 years. They are under the wrath of God. They are wandering through the desert, They're trying to raise their kids, trying to keep the sheep going and everything else, but they know that a large portion of them are going to die in the desert. Imagine living like that. Imagine bringing your child, you're 25, 30, 
You've complained you were scared of the giants. You complain. Now you know. <laughs> Within the next 40 years, you're going to die. But you've got to bring your kids up. You've got to look after yourself because your kids are going to inherit the promised land. You've got to prepare them for the promised land. Imagine living like that. Imagine that being your mission. And that was the mission of Moses and of his people during those 40 years. And so sometime around there, he wrote the psalm. So I'm, I'm going to read the psalm. It's Psalm 90. You can open up your Bible or your devices. I'm going to read it through. I'm reading from the NIV. I'm just going to read it through once, and I'm going to read it again with some comments, and then we're going to pick up some principles on stewardship of time in this message called Time is Ticking. Tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. Time is ticking. This is a bit of an unusual message, okay? And, uh, and I want you to really take this seriously. I want you to go home and think about this because um, the clock was ticking for those guys as they wandered through the desert. But guess what? The clock is ticking for us as well. You see, because every mission has a start time and an end time. We are on mission. We are on maybe different assignments. We are all on mission for God, but we have maybe different assignments. But all of our assignments have a time, and the clock is ticking. And so, let us read the psalm. Psalm 90. A prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight, or like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet, you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord. How long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as you have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Hmm. What a psalm. And I don't know, as you have, have a quick read, even with the background I gave you, 
what you get out of this. But I'm going to read again with a few more comments. And I want you to listen carefully because this psalm is going to touch all of us in different ways. Those of you who are a bit younger, I want you to listen very carefully because, you know, uh, life stewardship or time stewardship is like a pension fund. The earlier you start, the more you're going to benefit of it in the end. Okay? It's not start, starting a pension fund when you're 55 and you're retiring at 60. It's a bit too late for that. If you start at 20, 25, maybe even 30, all right, you've got a number of years to build a nice, semi-comfortable pension in the end. That's the same thing with the steward of time, stewardship of time. Some people, they ignore God. They ignore the things of God. They ignore the gospel. They ignore Bible principles and morals, and they just think of themselves. I, me, 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 I'm going to do this, I'm going to, and they ignore, and they waste their lives, and they may be here, you know, pushing 60, 70, 80. They say, hey, listen, I'm getting closer to the end. I better go to church and get my life right, and, and maybe they come to church, and they get born again, get baptized, and so on. But they've wasted the best years of their lives. Now, those of you younger, you know, 35 and under, <laughs> listen carefully because your best years are still ahead of you. Or, or, or you're living them right now. Use them. Have, be a good steward of your time because this is what this psalm is about. Verse 1, a prayer of Moses, the man of, of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. He understands that we are under God. We are under God. Whether you see it or not, believe it or not, you live and breathe and have our being. It says in Acts, because the Lord Jesus keeps you alive. God keeps you alive. And then he says, before the mountains were born, you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. How many people in this world ignore this? He's, he's stating over here, God, you were before creation and you created everything. So this whole universe belongs to God. Belongs to God. Do you believe that? Is that your worldview? Or would you still believe we are an accident that evolved over millions of years and then here we are? Or do you honor God as the creator? Next section, verses 3 to 6. You guys can put it up. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. That's why often in funerals they say, dust to dust, ashes to ashes. Because that is the destiny of man. You turn people back to dust. Death is a certainty. So many people live as if they're never going to die. They don't even think about it. Now listen, this morning's message is not about death, it's about life. But we need to sometimes stop and consider the fact that we are not going to live forever. In spite of the song, I'm going to live forever. We are not going to live forever on this earth. I agree, you are going to live forever. But not forever on this earth as a human being in this body that you've got. We'll get to that just now. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. That shows the brevity of life. Life is short. <laughs> To God, a thousand years like a day. Peter repeats this in, in 2 Peter 3.8. You know, we think 80 years, 100 years, or 500 years. Oh, but to God, it's just a day. That, that's why during Genesis, when, when God told Adam, listen, the day that you sin, surely you will die. And then 
Adam sinned and he didn't die. How come? Because to God, a day is like a thousand years. Check your Bible. Adam did not live up to a thousand years. He lived a long life, but not a day according to God. On the same day that he sinned, he died. And then life was shortened. Why? Because of the wrath of God. We'll get to that just now. The brevity of life. And he says, yeah, you sweet people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass in the morning. The morning it springs up and then in the evening it dies. That's our lives. And it's amazing. You know, whenever I do funerals and I, I, I speak to the family, they always, they, they always say, he's gone. Gone too soon. No matter how long a person lives, it's too short. Because our life is short. Inside us, there is something. Because God says in, in Ecclesiastes that he has put eternity in our hearts. And so there's something inside us that we want to live forever. You know why? Because you were made to live forever. God's intention was that Adam and Eve and their children would live forever in fellowship, in relationship with him. But when sin came in, when they turned their backs on God's word and listened to somebody else, sin entered in and God judged sin. sin. And because of God's wrath upon sin, our lives are now short. Hmm. Verse 7. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You see, God's anger at sin brought a limit to life. God's wrath at sin set a limit as to how long man should live. There are many good people. And if they live to be 200, 300, it would be a blessing. But there are many evil people on, in this world, on this earth. Imagine if those evil people lived forever. What would this place be like? And so God put a boundary, a limit to all of our lives. Nobody gets to live here forever. <laughs> nobody gets to be good forever. No God, nobody gets to be bad forever on this planet. You have set our iniquities before you. Our secret sins in the light of your presence. Oh, listen. Don't ever think that nobody's looking whenever you do sin, even private sin. Somebody is watching you. Your life, your sins, your bad deeds and your good deeds are always before God. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Another translation says, we finish our years to an end. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. So we start living and, ah, and it's over. Now, again, remember, he says, yeah, our days pass under your wrath. Remember, they're traveling in the desert for 40 years. They are under the wrath of God. Many of them are not going to live beyond those 40 years. But even those that make it to the promised land are not going to live forever either. And you and I, who are not under that particular wrath of God there, are still under the judgment of sin, and we are not going to live forever. Huh? All right. Verses 10 to 12. 
Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Again, the brevity of life. And even though you may live into 70 or 80 or even more, Moses wrote this, but he what? Lived to be 120 years. <laughs> but he says, even if you have to live to be a long life, most of your years are trouble and toil and sorrow. I mean, think of it. It starts in school, right? With all those tests and exams. <laughs> sorrow, trouble. And, and, and then you leave school and you graduate and you start your own life. But then you've got bills to pay and taxes. And also, there's always something going on. We are not in paradise. No matter how wonderful your life may be, you're going to have your share of trouble and sorrow. What did Jesus say? In this world... You will have a party, man. Relax. Believe in me, and your life will be a bed of roses. Is that what Jesus said? No. <laughs> he says, buddy, I don't care how much faith you've got. In this world, you're going to have tribulation. Brace yourself. Get ready. You see, and, and all these realities are more reasons for us to live in fellowship with God so that he can give us the wisdom and the strength that we need to go through all this stuff while we are here. Huh? Yeah. If only we knew the power of your anger. I like the uh, the the English um, the English standard. It says, "Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you?" You know, very few people stop to consider this. You know, when, when something goes bad, oh God, you know. But nobody will take time to ponder on the greatness of God, but also on the righteousness of God, on the judgment of God, and on the wrath of God, which comes upon sin and sinners. We like to talk about the goodness of God, and God is good. But the Bible is filled with God's judgments and future judgments. We need to stop and consider about that so that we can be on God's good side. You don't want to be fighting against God. After all, He's God. You're not going to want that battle. Amen? I want to be on God's side. And so we need to stop sometimes and consider God's wrath, God's anger, and say, God, thank you for Jesus. I, I, I'm on the side of Jesus. So that when God looks at you, He says, Jesus, oh, my son, my daughter, come. And He does not pour his wrath or anger upon you. But you see, how many people take time to consider this? And so he says in verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. We are called to stop and consider and see the wisdom of God. Teach us. We'll have a bit more of that later. And then verses 13 onwards, relent, O Lord. How long will it be? Have compassion. On your servants. God is, Moses is saying, God, I know. You, 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 you've judged us. Your wrath is upon us. But God, have mercy. Help us as we journey. Help us have some joy and, and some life. You know, satisfy us in the morning with unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad in our days. Make us glad for as many days as, we, as you have afflicted us. Lord, you, you've made this judgment upon us. And you're going to afflict us. For 40 years, we're going to be afflicted. But as long as we are here and being afflicted anyway, make us glad, please. 
Let your joy be in us. Now listen, we are living today here, what, 2023. There is still affliction upon the world. There are still people out there who have no respect for God, for his principles, for his kingdom. And they are causing war. They are causing destruction. This world is in a mess, financial mess. Then, of course, because we have not looked after our planet the way, we sh- the way it should, you've got the natural disasters taking place, amongst other things. And we have to live in the middle of all this. I mean, I think this prayer would apply to us as well. God, in this messed up world that we live in, Lord, give us some joy. Help us to sing songs of praise in the middle of sorrow, in the middle of trouble, in the middle of challenges. Lord, let your joy be in us because the joy of the Lord is our strength. We cannot do this without the joy of the Lord. Make us glad, Lord. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. We want to see God's handiwork. We want to see God working amongst us. Not only in us, but in our children. And then again, you see, stewardship of time is not only about us, but preparing the way for others. Moses and his people, they were concerned about their children. And they were making sure they prepared them for the promised land and to see the handiwork of God. And then he ends with this. Wonderful prayer. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. A prayer of Moses. In spite of them being under the wrath of God, that you would have compassion on them and help them to finish their mission as well as prepare their children to enter the promised land. This prayer was answered. They did finish their mission. They did prepare their children, and they did enter the promised land. Amen? So this psalm, in the psalm, God is is talking to us about stewardship of our lives. What we do with our time is what we do with our lives. Your time is your life. We have been placed here in time. God lives outside of time. One day, we're also going to live outside of time. But until then, we live inside of time. And what you do with our time, our stewardship of time, listen, matters for eternity. What you do here during this time you exist matters, influences, affects eternity, yours and other people's. You need to grasp grasp this. Our lives only have significance for eternity when we are connected with God and give Him His rightful place in our lives. Remember, we are supposed to be His stewards. Amen? Not stewards of our stuff, His stewards. Stewards of His stuff. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. So first we have to seek Him. We have to be connected with Him first. God wants us to enjoy ourselves, but that is not all that there is to life. We may not all have the same time here on earth. We may have different lengths of time on earth. But after our time here, everyone will live forever, either with God in heaven or without God in hell. So this time will be different for all of us. But eternity will be eternity for all of us in one place or the other. Hmm? God says to us, I have given you life. It is divided into days and weeks and months and years. 
I want you to number your days. He says, Lord, help us to number our days. I want you to number your days and make most of each day. So don't let a day go by without praising God. Don't let a day go by without prayer. Don't let a day go by with time in the Word of God, reading your Bible. Don't let a day go by without fellowship and close communion with God. Don't let a day go by without encouraging someone else. Don't let a day go by when you fail to recognize that God has a purpose for you. Huh? In other words, take time each day to acknowledge and recognize that God has a purpose for you. Your life has meaning in God. Your life has a purpose on this earth. As long as your time is here, your life has purpose in Him. Verse 10, our days may come to 70 years or 80, or if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Verse 12. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Listen, our days are numbered and the clock is ticking. And the problem is none of us knows how many ticks the clock still has to talk before it's our time to be swept away. Hmm? Have you lost someone to death? Where are they now? If they knew the Lord Jesus as Lord and Savior, they are with Him. They're in heaven. And if you can trust God with your loved ones, if you can trust God with the destiny of your soul, why is it so difficult to trust God with everything else in our lives? I ask you. This series about stewardship all we have is given to us by God. Our life, our breath, our time, our talents and abilities, our money, our positions, the opportunities we have in life. Why is it so difficult to trust God with these things? The things we can see and feel and touch and live. Time matters. Listen, time matters. Time with God matters, both privately and alone with Him, or time at, with God with your family at home, or time with God at the church with other believers. Time with God matters, privately, at home, and at the church. Some people just say, oh, just me and God. I don't need church. I don't need... Nah. Well, church is not your idea. It's not man's idea. It is Jesus' idea. He said, it is my church. So you got a problem with the church, go talk to Jesus. And one day, those that don't, don't want to do church, they're going to have to explain to him why they ignored what he died for, because he died for the church. Time with God matters. Time with your family matters. Listen, time with your spouse and children in fellowship and fun matters. Time is not just to be spent at work. Your boss or your business does not own your time. God owns your time. When I'm, you know, ministering to people that are, that are on their deathbed, they're dying. In over 40 years of ministry, not once has somebody grabbed my hand and said, Pastor, Pastor, I wish I had worked more overtime. Not once. What they do say is, I wish I'd spend more time with my wife, with my husband, with my children. 
I wish I had done more for others. I wish I'd be more faithful. Time with your family matters. Time at your work matters too. At your job, business, or vocation, or calling. Your work is an act of your worship. Is an act of, your work should be an act of worship. And you need to understand this. Oh, Monday, time to go to work. Oh. Listen, work is a gift. Remember, work was there before the fall. <laughs> God created Adam and put him to work in the garden. And so we should see work as an act of worship, as an act of serving God, number one, and then serving others. Your work can be a platform to serve people well, to be a blessing, and even to reach people with the gospel of Jesus. But your time at work should never take the place of your time with God and your time with family. Amen? It is so easy for us to say, oh, I'm doing it for my family. I, I'm, I'm at work and I work, 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 work. It's for my family. Hmm. Yeah. Time of resting and restoring matters. It is also important that, this is so important that God make, made it obligatory in Israel for his people. Sabbath, they had to rest one day a week. They had to stop everything, not allowed to work. They were punished if they worked on, on, on the Sabbath. Plus, he gave them periodic festivals. They're supposed to stop and get together and eat and drink and relax and have a party. Time of resting and restoring matters. So think of your past week. How did you manage your time just this past week? Huh? Do you think you need to adjust your time a little bit, your time schedule, your diary, huh? your time management to better align with God's plan for you? Verse 11, teach us to number our days. We do not have a day to waste. We are given, we are called to be stewards of our time. A young man said to his wife when they were newly married, he said, darling, we don't have a day to waste. We can never get that day back. We are not going to ruin one day. We are not going to stay mad a day. We are not going to throw one day away. That's a good thing for young couples to say to each other. I think that's a good thing for all couples to say to each other. Let's not waste days. Being mad at each other, not talking to each other and, and fighting with each other because that day is gone, you can't get it back. Mm. How many days are you going to live if you number them? How many days do you think you will live? How many days do you think you have lived? Ever stop to think about that? No, of course we don't. The Bible says, help us to number our days. Teach us to number our days. Moses here mentions 70 to 80 years. Your lifespan is about 70 to 80 years. It varies. Average, 70 to 80 years. That's, that's about between 25,567 days to 29,220 days. Okay? How many of those days have you lived already? <laughs> All right? Do the math. How many days have you got left if you work on 70, 80 years? Moses himself, as I said, he lived to 120 years. That's about 43,830 days that old Moses lived. And he can surely say most of them were trouble and sorrow because of a million complaining Jews. Hmm. 
All right? The truth is that we can work out how many days we have lived. Easy. Just take your age times by 365. You've got more or less how many days you've lived. It's a bit more difficult to work out how many days you are going to live because none of us know how long we are going to live. We cannot say with certainty how many days you're going to live. But time is ticking, and none of us know when the ticking will stop for us individually. The number of days I have lived, me, myself, the number of days I have lived are far greater than the number of days I am still going to live. I've done the math. (laughs) Okay, you do it as well. And work it out. Some of you are young and probably have far more days to live ahead of you than what you've lived already. Uh, Some of you are older than me and you've got far more days behind you and less days ahead of you than I have. And uh, and it's, it's all a possibility because none of us know for sure the time of departure. But now, until that time, until our time of departure comes, we need to be good stewards of our time. I have to be a good steward of my time, of my days, because I don't have all that many left. Most of them are behind me. And I, when I look back, I'm glad for some of the decisions I took when I was 17, 18, 19, 20 years old. I'm glad I chose Jesus at a young time. I'm glad I, 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 I applied certain principles in my life long ago. It has saved me a lot of trouble, a lot of heartache for me and for others. And I encourage you younger people to do the same. Follow Jesus now. Now is the time. Remember your Lord now in the days of your youth before the evil and difficult days come and you shall have got no pleasure in them. Ecclesiastes 12.1, which was one of my favorite verses in my young days. And so until that time, we have to be good stewards of time. I have to be a good steward of my time, a good steward of my days. You see, I I do not have any days to waste on pettiness. I can't waste days on that. Because once the day is gone, it's gone. I do not have any days to waste on unforgiveness. I do not have any days to waste on unresolved issues. I do not have any days to waste on unreconciled situations. I've got to do anything I can possibly do to reconcile and resolve. I want to reconcile and resolve because I do not have a day to waste. I do not have a day to waste wallowing in self-pity because of past failures. I do not have any days left to live a questionable life. I do not have days to entertain temptation and sin in my life. I do not have that kind of time to waste. We must get over the past and get on with life in a way that brings glory to God, in a way that counts for eternity. Amen? God says the reason we number our days is to apply our hearts to to wisdom. The decision we make in the days we live are more important than the days we live. I'm going to say it again. The decisions you make in the days that you live are more important than the days that you live. There are people that live long lives, but they make lousy decisions and they waste their lives. There are people who live short lives, but they make wise decisions. And even though they live a short time, their lives count. Their lives mattered. For God and for others. 
So the decisions you make, amen? We make the most of our lives by applying our hearts to wisdom. It is a deliberate, intentional choice that we make. It is something we do with diligence and continuously, not at random, not periodically, not sporadically, not only when there are alarm bells or crises in our lives. It is a daily choice. Wisdom is embodied in Jesus Christ. Colossians 2.3 says that all treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Jesus Christ. So you want wisdom? Go to Jesus Christ because knowledge and wisdom are embodied in Him. And that's how we need a relationship with God. God has a purpose for our lives, for our days. And that purpose is that we apply our hearts to wisdom. Mission impossible becomes mission possible with the wisdom of the Lord which is accessible to all of us through Christ. And by applying your heart to wisdom on a daily basis, you are making the best investment in eternity. It will make you the best husband, the best wife, the best son, daughter, worker, boss, leader, you name it, will make you the best person you can be when you invest in wisdom with God. And always God has designed life so that if the purpose he has designed for us is lived out, it is not only most glorifying to God, it is also the best for us. That is why the proper stewardship of our time is essential. The prayer at the end of the psalm is a prayer we can all make. In Judaism, Verse 17 is recited at the end of the Sabbath as they resume the normal uh, weekday activities which are prohibited during the Sabbath. It is a good prayer to end our service with, and it is a good prayer to start our week of labor with. It says, may the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Amen. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Because we are on mission, because of being stewards of our time, the work you do during the week matters. Your calling, your job, uh, your vocation, whatever it is that you do during the week, you want God's blessing to rest upon the work of your hands. The time you spend with your family, the time you spend with friends, the time you spend with God, the time you spend with church, the work you do as volunteers, Lord, bless the work of our hands. It is a good prayer for us to say. And so as you proceed in your mission as followers of Christ, may I encourage you to be good stewards of your time. Meditate on what you have heard today and let the Lord speak further to you specifically. Let him convince you and convict you if there needs a, to be a change in your time schedule. Are you being self-centered with your time? If you are a husband or a wife, how is it going? Are you giving them enough time? Is your spouse your first priority in ministry? Because that is our first priority. After God, our spouse is our first priority. Don't run to help others if you're not giving attention to your husband and to your wife. If you're a father or mother, are you making time for your children after your spouse? They are your next level of ministry. I am a pastor, but I'm sorry, you as congregation, you are right at the bottom of the list. My wife comes first, and then my children. If there's time left, I'll minister to you. <laughs> okay. But what I'm saying is, I will not put my work, even as a pastor, 
above my family and above my personal time with God. Because you see, ministry flows out of God and family into my daily life, into everything I do. It is God's priority. See, if you're a father or your mother, are you spending time with children? You know how children spell love? Children spell love T-I-M-E. Time. That's how they know. All right. As we seek the Lord, may he teach us to count our days and gain a heart of wisdom. Amen? Praise God. Let's stand up. I hope you've, you've been stirred this morning and uh, challenged to look more seriously at the question of time. Time stewardship. You see? It is very important. Very, very important. We need to manage our time in a way that glorifies God. Amen? So, Father, I pray that your people today hear those online, those listening to this message. Lord, help us. Help us, Lord. Teach us. Teach us, Lord, to count our days and to gain a heart of wisdom, Lord. Teach us to be good stewards of our time. Whatever time remains for us on this earth, Lord, help us to be good stewards of it so that it brings glory to your name, Lord God, and a blessing to others, Lord. And so now, may the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon us. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, Lord, establish the work of our hands. Amen and amen. The Lord bless you. Go and be good stewards of your time this week. Amen. Praise God.